podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. How do you judge the mass of a red hot chili pepper? You give it away, give it away, give it away now. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yes, Nate. I feel like that's a good bounce back, isn't it, from last week's last week's shambles of a joke. Did you feel under extra pressure this week? I did. Yeah. So I really, I kind of pulled all the stops out and I, yeah, I found this one. I was like, that's the one. Do you ever test these out like on, on like friends and stuff before? Well, so often friends test them out on me. (laughs) So my friend, my friend Graham often sends me jokes and I'm like, and he'll be like, here's one for the pod. And if I like it, I'll add it to my little file. But that one I hadn't actually checked out on anyone, but I was like, it's a good enough joke that I feel like it will, it will hit. You know, I feel like it was, it was clever enough um yeah so yeah your reaction was what i was expecting you're back in the game mate that is a strong eight good you know if we were doing like points i think it would be like maybe yeah, like 8.6 a... 8.7 but yeah. we're not so it's just yeah eight. i feel so, like yeah. eventually i feel like eventually we'll be on decimal points i feel like <laughs> we need this at some point but no that's good that's good i'm glad that you're back in the game mate what a high point to start I'm... this podcast absolutely i'm so glad Welcome to The Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Barreto, senior writer at F1.com. And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders from ESPN.com. How are we, chaps? Good. Very, very good. How are you, Medders? I'm delightful. I'm in, like, <laughs> really, really good today. Really feeling it. We had a, that was it didn't a good sound, range, like It didn't sound delightful. You did look it. Your, your face did say, but <laughs> just for people listening, it's like, I'm delightful. Well, the best thing is I can't see either of you right now because I'm actually in, in the, uh, the Padhocks Twitter mentions trying to find some of the oh, responses nice. we had to some recent uh, action on the pod that have been very good. Like, it's been fun. Um, but I, I actually want to flag up Nate first before we pat ourselves on the back from other people. I'm going to pat ourselves on the back from you uh you had i you must have been really excited when you saw this the paddock haddock made an appearance yes, it did uh do you remember what it was for it was because norris got slapped with the three-place grid penalty so <laughs> i was like time to call out the paddock haddock <laughs> absolutely smashed it yeah i mean a quick recap for anyone who didn't listen to that episode my theory is because and we're all guilty of it. We've all said that a driver gets slapped with a penalty. My idea was that there should be a literal fish, in this case a haddock, and a driver, their punishment is they get slapped across the face with it to justify the, you know, the, the headline saying slapped with penalty. So it's the paddock haddock. It's, it's bang on. It's, uh, it was it, the race. We'll give them a shout out for uh, giving us that opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, that, was, that was a good, uh, good tweet. And uh, the other the review that I'll give, well, it's like a tweet comment that I'll give that um, is the pat on our back, is from Landry Kendrick, who said that they're about 10 seconds into the uh, Indy 500 episode, and it's already what I needed on my F1 podcast rotation. And then a laughing emoji and a whale emoji based on <laughs> I feel the like, joke. So I heard a lot better feedback for that joke than Lawrence gave it. I'm just going to say. <laughs> well, I, I, did feel, I did feel vindicated by that joke. I feel like Lawrence not getting it was a big reason that it did got such a low rating and then i feel like lawrence even though he said when i explained it to him is like still a two out of ten i don't believe that <laughs> I, I feel like and I, I i totally get it you had to save face that's fine that's that's the way that's the way of the world but i just what knew what are you trying to say Nate? 
No, no, nothing. I'm just saying I would have done the same thing. But, you know, I, I didn't take it personally is what I mean. I tell you what, when we do that, when we do a podcast dedicated to all of your jokes, like maybe that will be an opportunity <laughs> for me to rescore it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll have a revision. I did feel a lot of pressure this week because I had about 10 people message me or tweet at me saying, can't wait for the 60 second review this week, which was which made me think like, OK, I really need to like deliver on this one. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to feel like, you know, this this eats into my my mindset now. I'm like, got to have a good joke and got to have a good review. And on that note, we're going to pause because I've got to answer a call from Test and Trace. No, nice. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> we get a live Test and Trace call. For legal reasons, this part of the call has been redacted on order of the government, probably. Thanks. Have a good day. Cheers. Bye. Wow. And that, <clears throat> Trace fans, was NHS Test and Trace live on the pad hoc. <laughs> Anyway, sorry about that. Brief interruption, but it's over now. Let's get to the exciting stuff. Nate's back in 60 seconds, which I've not heard yet. Beretta, you heard it yet? No. God, I love these. Right. Settle down. Here we go. All right, here we go. 60 seconds of Azerbaijan Grand Prix, which was bad, then was great. <laughs> All right, here we go. <clears throat> me, 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 me. Perez, vamos. Loved seeing that. Vettel, vintage Vettel. Gasly, move over Emmanuel Macron because France has a new president. Leclerc, tree branch. Norris, awesome as always. Alonso, much, much better, much more like what we're expecting. Sonoda, wait a minute, maybe my train isn't cancelled. Watch this space. Science, big blown opportunity, should have been way higher than that. Ricardo, what's going on, man? Uh, Raikkonen and Giovinazzi, both solid for Alpha. Uh, Bottas was there, or was he? Maybe he's still at the airport in Finland. Please, if you've seen Valtteri Bottas, please call someone. Please call someone and bring him back to the F1 paddock. We need him. Schumacher, angry because Mazepin, dangerous. Hamilton, break magic. <laughs> More like break sadness. Latifi, finished. Russell, didn't, apparently, quite, because of gearbox. Verstappen, unlucky, but happy he's still leading the championship because that would have really sucked. Stroll was also super unlucky. Really happy those two guys are okay, obviously. Uh, and then Esteban Ocon, lap three, turbocharger. <laughs> 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 Sensational, but I have a protest. Yes, I thought you loved Gasly. Where's Gasly? Love Gasly. I thought that was going to be every single entry. It, well, it was, but me saying that he's the president of France, I feel like, is <laughs> is me following that up. It, I mean, it's pretty strong. I won't lie. Yeah, I just uh, don't. Yeah, I, because most people were like Gasly love Gasly, so I was like, I'm going to throw a curveball in. Um, yeah, but I still love Gasly. We did have a tweet mention that was Perez love Perez. So yes, it's yes. now catching on as a thing that if you like a driver, double name them, add love in the middle. Yes. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, if, if people are upset, I'll, I'll go back to Gasly Love Gasly, uh, which sounds like a TV show, doesn't it? <laughs> Gasly Love Gasly. Um, but yeah, well, we can see. We can see what the feedback is. Like if you're listening to this, if you're one of the three listeners, please tweet <laughs> us and let us know whether you preferred Nate deviating from Gasly Love Gasly, because I mean, he had a damn good race. I gave him 10 on power rankings. Like, he was, Yeah, he was awesome. I like Just to reiterate, love Gasly. Um, <laughs> I think, um, yeah. But like, quick Gasly chat. How the hell is that guy going to get a top running seat? I can't see a pathway for him, which is really sad. Because Merck, obviously, you'd think would take Russell. Ferrari have got their two guys locked in. McLaren, you know, I assume we're going to keep those two guys for the foreseeable. Red Bull apparently don't want anything to do with Gasly ever again for some reason. So where does he go? Maybe Alpha Tari become <laughs> the team to beat. 
maybe on. That might be what he needs. Um, yeah. You can see Alpine keeping tabs on him in case the opportunity arises and, and they're better and they need a driver. But yeah, in a weird way, it sounds like the most likely place would be Mercedes. Yeah. Of well, they, three. I don't know if you guys saw, but they, they sent out a congratulatory tweet to him on Sunday evening, which apparently I didn't see much of it because I try and just avoid Twitter where I can, but it sent like F1 Twitter into meltdown. Everyone like, why are, why are the admins you know, going out of their way to thank Gasly. Is Gasly, yeah. is Gasly in a sign for Mercedes? What's going on? When really, yeah, really it was just a nice tweet, I think. But Yeah, and then I think they found a, a video clip from Spain of like Wolf making a joke to Gasly, like over the pit wall. And it's like, oh, they talked. That means that must have been a contract talk. And I'm pretty sure looking at the gestures that Wolf is saying you have really big balls. Like there's, there's like a cupping action going on. I hope that's what he was saying. In a, in a no, he was saying he was saying laugh if you want a three year deal, and guys are like ha, and that's how that's that's how that's how deals get done in F one. Ah, yeah, the shouting it straight over the pit wall <laughs> yeah, in front of yeah. all the Alpha yeah. mechanics. <laughs> yeah, you happy where you are, Pierre? No, hate it. Good, have a good race. Um, I think verbal he contract though. agreed. No, I think he is as well. I think he loves it there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He, I mean, he was outstanding. I thought when you go through. Um, everyone's results. I know Vettel was driver of the day, which I agree with for Sunday, just about, especially with where he started from. But when you look at the whole weekend, I think Gasly was just like perfect all weekend, basically. I don't think he put a foot wrong at any stage and got the most out of that that he was ever going to get. So with a car that was down on power and stuff. So how was he afterwards, Bretta? You were there. Let's talk, let's talk after Sunday's race before we talk before Sunday's race, which was just as crazy for you. Um. Yeah, well, he was delighted. I, I don't think that he ever really, um, every time he gets on the podium, I think it's just as exciting each time he's on there. I know he hasn't been on there many a time, but um, I think he, I think he's loving it. I wonder whether he will eventually get back into the Red Bull mindset, because if he keeps delivering like this, maybe Yuki doesn't de- deliver as strongly as, as they'd hoped for. Um, and Checo obviously isn't such a long-term plan for them anyway. I don't see why they would throw away someone who is performing very, very strongly. Um, and also, they've, they've invested so much in his career as well. Whereas mm-hmm. with Perez, they haven't until this year. So you'd think that... And it's quite a nice story for Red Bull. If he came back and he was to win races, maybe win a title, they could say, yeah, look, we, we dropped the guy, he came back, but we gave him that second chance and he delivered. Exactly. Know? And if he keeps delivering like this, it's much easier for them to go back and say, okay, well, he's changed our mind because he's actually... They're not just taking him because they have to take him. They're taking him because he's fought his way back, like you said, mate. To be fair, so as you explained that, I was like, but that sounds so wrong right now in the sense of Perez not being a long-term thing, but he just won his first race and was really impressive as well this weekend. And then like Yuki not being so good, but then he was this weekend. He was really strong. And I was about to say, Beretta, what are you on about? But to be fair, pre-season, someone flagged this up the other day. You did say that Ferrari was the biggest surprise and you thought they were going to be strong. And for about four races, I was like, see, you don't know what you're talking about. And then the last two, they've been awesome in quality at least. <laughs> But also, race pace in Monaco was good enough. It wasn't that bad uh, in Baku. It just wasn't quite as strong as some of the others. So, uh, yeah, they've been pretty impressive. They're up to third now. So, you you seem to know what you're talking about. It's almost yeah, like, I, I feel like I feel like F1 know what they're doing, giving you all these pre-race <laughs> gigs and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Did you predict it? Did you predict what was going to happen pre-race when you were talking to people on Instagram Live? Uh, I... No, not so much. I don't think because I know they... I I heard that apparently you said that there'd be a bunch of tire failures and then he would accidentally <laughs> flip a switch and then he'd go straight on at turn one and everyone was like this guy's crazy and then it happened and you very modestly were like well I didn't predict anything. That's what I heard. 
Oh, Nate, you're hearing all the right things. I've always yeah. liked you, Nate. Always <laughs> I'm, I've become your hype man now. <laughs> yeah, you sent me a very lovely message on Twitter, calling me a superstar. I did, man. It was great. Sliders. So just before the race, they said, I can't remember the exact driver. There was a few you spoke to, but every time they name-checked you and said, chatting to Lawrence Barretto, it was great. Like genuinely, genuinely pre-race. I was like, this is, this is, I'm buzzing. Delighted. Yeah, that was on the Sky oh. coverage, wasn't it? They were. Yeah. Give yeah, me exactly. props for doing the uh, the driving. What else did you do pre-race? Did you do <laughs> you did everything? Did you sing the national anthem? <laughs> no, but I'd have loved to because what a national <laughs> anthem that one is. <laughs> what um when you talk to drivers pre-race, we often talk to them after sessions and stuff, and we might see them walking to the car before. But what kind of mood are a lot of them in? Because it's funny, isn't it? When you say there's the old thing of like how you're approaching tomorrow's race. When you ask them that on a Saturday, they're like, "Well, mm-hmm. you just kind of." You just kind of ad lib it as it goes. You just you know, react to what's in front of you. But what kind of mood are they or were they in? Were there any guys that seemed like nervous or, or I don't know, apprehensive? Because Stroll's radio message after his crash mm-hmm. that was interesting. He was like, just get me out of this circuit. I feel like a few of them maybe weren't that thrilled about Baku. I don't know. That, that's just the impression I got from what I saw. So this was one of the first times actually that I've, I've had the chance to speak to drivers just beforehand or at least that close to... Um, the start of a Grand Prix so like you said um, it's quite a rare opportunity and I was amazed generally about how relaxed they were like I think if you'd spoke to them independently you wouldn't have known they're about to get into a racing car in what 90 minutes or so um, particularly guys like Charles or um, Carlos they would they would just wanted to have a chat so we do this we did the driver's presentation is all live <clears throat> and most of them come out if they're on time and so you probably have like two or three minutes to chat to them just generally <clears throat> otherwise they're just standing there, they've got nothing to do, no pads to wave to or anything. Um, and so you're just chatting to them. And I was amazed in those moments about how relaxed they were, um, how they just wanted to chat about anything really other than the race coming up. Um, and then obviously you then say, right, they're coming to me in like five, five, five seconds, 10 seconds, whatever. And they just switch it straight away. I'm not saying that what they're doing is <clears throat> they're putting something on, but they just know that as soon as the cameras are rolling, they'll give the, the kind of answers that we want to, they want to do their job essentially which is to um to promote you know what what's going to happen in the race um so yeah it was a busy morning for me um probably i would say the best day that i've had at work um in that oh, I, I would nugget. say yeah because i was just so busy <clears throat> i started the day with a chat with mario isla pre-race about tires um <laughs> that didn't, probably probably <laughs> as, a, as a chat has aged quite interestingly since then well very much very much so actually it would be interesting to put those interviews back to back pre-race and post-race um and then i did a pre-race show rehearsal so we do a show um which builds up to the race on f1 tv and will buxton wasn't there this weekend and we had a new presenter um called melissa so i hosted one of the segments which i don't normally do with jessica hawkins who's a team ambassador for Aston Martin and I felt really bad for it because we were still on the bridge at green lights when the cars are coming out of the pit lane so you guys know <clears throat> what it's like when all of the cars take the pit lane at the same time uh, she couldn't hear a word that I was saying I couldn't hear a word of what she was saying <laughs> oh, fortunately wow. I'd given her a rundown of like the questions I was going to ask her and a, a movement that I would make when I'd finished talking because with masks now <clears throat> you can't lip read anyone so you if you can't yeah. hear you can't see their lips you're basically got no chance of knowing what's going on so i <clears throat> uh, did that bit for pre-race um and we did a rehearsal for that and then i went straight to the do an instagram live uh, which is just me a walk and talk up and down the pit lane and it's amazing there's about we probably had between 30 and forty thousand people watching this instagram live and it's essentially 
not to like put down what I was doing, me just walking up a pit lane, showing showing what is there. But it always reminds me <clears throat> that how lucky we guys are in normal times to have the access that we do. Like we can go into the pit lane quite often during a race weekend and have a look at the garages, chat to people, um, chat to people on the pit wall and see the cars up close. And most people can't do that. So it's really nice. To, whenever I do those Instagram lives, it's really nice to just remind me that we've got really cool jobs and we can see things and a lot of the time it's just people standing around because at that point they've done their jobs and they they've got everything ready for the race they're just ready to <clears throat> get ready and go to the grid but um that moment you do feel when you're there that something's happening like you're in an event excitement's building it was sad that there weren't any fans in the grandstand and you did actually feel that because there wasn't like the marshals were really excited the pit lane they were excited to be there but that was all you really had to kind of grab onto some sort of atmosphere um, and then I went to do the pre-race show for like uh, for real. Um, oh, and I did the driver's presentation sometime in between that. And I like um, not boomeranged, jumped. Out, what's the word? When hot. I did hot, hot, mate. <laughs> I hopped between teams at Billy Munger. Uh, so we took five teams each, um, and you have four minutes to talk to each driver. Um, and I haven't done much live telly when you've got someone in your ear talking to you, going right, we're coming to you in thirty seconds. Uh, five seconds right go with your question then you've asked two questions they're like oh the next drivers are running late so you need to ask another question and I think we were running late when we got to Carlos I had to ask him five questions generally you don't prep that many questions and you've really kind of rounded up the interview at question three because you want to kind of throw to the race ahead so it's kind of thinking <clears throat> about thinking on your feet to make sure you ask him questions that he doesn't think why are you asking me this to like 90 seconds uh, 90 minutes before the race starts but um kind of what you said um Nate is we're lucky that we get to speak to these drivers <clears throat> week in week out so if they know you they mm. kind of give you a little bit of leeway if things uh, aren't going quite right they get that it's live tv um and it, it was just a real buzz I loved it um I loved how relaxed they were um I loved um the adrenaline of walking down the pit lane talking to everyone yeah it was cool it was just a really cool pre-race for me uh, then I had 15 minutes to eat, eat my lunch I know this <laughs> is the excited stuff you want to hear uh, and then I went straight to the pen because um like you mentioned, S-Man Ocon retired in lap three. So I get to watch the race in an office until someone retires and then I have to go and stand in the pen for the rest of the race. So I always hope for retirements later in the race so I can stay inside and watch the race and like focus on what's going on. Can you yeah. not go back to the office like after you've done the interview? That I, I know sometimes drivers take ages, don't they, to come out after they've retired. Even if they retire on lap three, sometimes they don't show up until like right at the end of the race. But if, if you'd interviewed him quickly, were you not able to go back to the office to watch it there? Yeah, so you can do that, but at that point, because he came out quite late, I think, into that race, and then it wasn't, you just don't know how quickly someone else is going to come out. So yeah, you can go backwards and forwards, but then you're missing you're missing what's going on in the period of time it takes you to move from the pen <clears throat> to to the office, and it's whether you want to risk it or not. And it was quite, a, it, it, well, as we saw, quite an incident-packed race. So um, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. And then the post-race pen was great Lewis was actually even though he didn't finish in the top 10 he was one of the last people to come through to the pen which I always think is interesting the drivers who don't who don't finish high up <clears throat> they tend to come in want to get it done and dusted and then leave as soon as they can and he was one of the last ones to to come through and he was properly humble in the way that he talked about that race and um, I think he just knew it was his mistake um, and you don't often see him like that I think um, really quite open quite raw um, about what had happened yeah I was quite impressed with him post-race because I thought you know there's been a lot of talk with him and the team and we have to, you know we win and lose as a team but I wasn't sure whether with that one 
But then when it became clear what he'd done with the break, the break switch, he was just like, yeah, he was, just, I think he said it straight away on the radio, didn't he? He was like, you know, I'm so sorry, guys. Um, yeah, I love stuff. See, that's the insight I miss from F1 is like reading people after a race. Because mm-hmm. sometimes someone can have a really bad race or <clears throat> or whatever, but you could you, you talk to them, you're like, okay, then, or, or they have a great race. You're like, they, they weren't actually happy with that. They thought they could have finished higher or something. You just get little bits of insight from people. So um, that sounds d- great, dude. I am massively jealous hearing it, but um, it does sound like a great, great day. The, the other thing that I know he's talking about that, Nate, is Max's reaction changed dramatically from the, I mean, the moment he kicked the tyre when it, it, um, it failed to him came out and he was still pretty unhappy, pretty furious. Then he'd already calmed down by the time he'd gone to the medical centre. He's smiling a little bit, maybe joking a bit. And by the time he'd come to the pen and Lewis was obviously not scoring, he was so philosophical, um, kind of just trying to show that or trying to present this picture that he wasn't upset with how things had gone and it could have gone way better but this was like it could have, it could have gone much much worse after that retirement so it is it's quite cool to tell that story over a period of time when you're there and you can only do that if you're obviously in the paddock yeah didn't lewis lewis called it a bad stroke of good luck or something i think is what he said yes and, both, and that could and that could apply to both of them they both had they both had like bad you know good luck in the sense that their rival didn't finish, but they both missed this opportunity to take a bigger lead in the championship. It's pretty interesting kind of dynamic for this season, I think. It's quite weird though, isn't it? In that, so I, I thought afterwards, I was like, oh yeah, the top two didn't score at all. And a Red Bull won. I was like, I wonder how close than Perez is now, but he's still like over 40 points behind. And you think, so he needs that same race to happen again next time out just to get within striking distance. Yeah. It's amazing how far clear they were already that this isn't, yeah, I know there's so far to go this year, but it was, and it was always looking like a two horse race, but you think a, a race like that early on might actually open up some opportunities for people and it really hasn't still. So yeah. I was it's mad. surprised by that. Some of the stats around Mercedes are mad. So it's the first time there hasn't been a Mercedes driver on the po- podium in two consecutive races since the last two races of 2013 and their worst points haul over two races since the last two races in 2012. That's so mad. It shows you just how, like while it was a bad weekend it shows you just the level we've come to expect from them it's just like it was a bad couple of races but it's kind of magnified because it's like well that never happens twice in a row to them so i thought it was really interesting and that's why i kind of think red bull over time will probably see that as a bigger loss because that's the those are the sort of weekends where you have to properly capitalize and they did with two wins but max not finishing i think will be pretty big come the end of the year yeah totally agree totally agree so watching Baku made me remember the first time I went. And do you remember I had that big moon boot on because I'd done my ligaments in, my ankle ligaments. So like the week before I went in 2019, I stood on a football while playing five a side, completely destroyed my ligaments, but still just decided to go to the race. And whenever I was watching you walking up and down the paddock, Laz, I remembered how long it takes to walk up and down that paddock because the entrance is so far down. It's where Max went for the medical center, isn't it? You have that mm-hmm. long, long walk down. Um, yeah, it, it, it did make me remember that. And without fans that's one of the few paddocks i think that's built for people and fans and everything else like that mm-hmm. but yeah. that has also just reminded me of the fact that this is one of my favorite paddocks because i stay in the hilton hotel which is where the media center is and the press conferences which means it is the shortest commute from my hotel room to my desk off the year but, but that's the thing and i remember that year <clears throat> Madison and i were staying in the same hotel which was just just down from kind of the exit of turn one so we had a short walk to that and then over that bridge that you were talking about that you were stood with Jessica Hawkins down the paddock and the walk. But usually at races, if you're staying outside, you get, you'll get you drive into the circuit and usually you can get a, you know, a shuttle car from the car park to just outside the paddock entrance. That's probably the worst place to have gone 
with that kind of injury because there's none of that. Mm-hmm. And I had to walk the whole way. So the whole time you're walking, you can see the Hilton hotel coming towards you, but it's deceptively far away because it's such a long straight. I just, <laughs> so I had all these painful memories coming back from that race, but uh, yeah, great place though. It's, it's, it's a, it, it, I think one of the best uh, places on the calendar, I'd say, I don't know if you guys agree. Well, speaking of the Hilton hotel, uh, I want to know if Barretto's ever kind of, you know, had a night out there or uh, had any drinks. Um, you know, a fun evening at maybe a media party. The first <laughs> one of the first years that everyone was there. That that was your hotel. It's just general, you know, non-specific, pointed question. That that may or may not be true, <laughs> Redland. And when I say that, I mean it may be true. <laughs> I think we probably did cover it, didn't we, in the drunk episode? Yeah, we did. Um, I think the I think um, to prove how big that night was is that people are still talking about that today, and it was several years ago. Twenty seventeen. Uh, it was 18. 18. 18. It was 2018. So okay, admittedly, only three years ago. But um... well, yeah. But we do we judge every night now of like when any any time anyone goes out and has a big night as on a Baku scale. It's like mm-hmm. is it worthy of a title of Baku the fifth or Baku the sixth? Um, which I think we're about at now, are we? About four, five, or six? Yeah, I think we're six, six or six or seven actually. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. So maybe I'll be able to reveal some of those in a future podcast. Um, when was seven or six? When was the latest? Uh, I would, I'm going to say very recently. Let's just say that. Wow. It's the beef klaxon. What's that for? <laughs> oh, it's got to be for Horner and Wolf, hasn't it? Yeah. Like, uh, best things, beef of the year. Yeah, things are getting touchy. It's not driver beef. It's boss beef. <laughs> the best kind of beef. <laughs> Boss beef sounds like a really like a brand <laughs> that you'd be like, I'm just going out to get some boss beef. It's like boss coffee in Japan. They do boss yeah. beef. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's some good beef to be fair. It's is. properly kicking off, isn't it? Yeah. I love yeah. it. The thing is, as well, you can tell those who genuinely don't like each other, which I think it's not just two people kind of like throwing shade at each other. There's clearly respect there, but I don't think they would ever send each other a Christmas present or or anything like that, would they? No, early doors, they were trying to be quite nice to each other because that the line of questioning has been going since the start of the year and it's only been in the last couple of races that it's properly spiced up so i think on friday it was christian was talking to sky sports and he said um i think if i was toto with the front wing he's got in his car i'd keep my mouth shut so this is obviously in relation to the flexi rear wings the flexi front wings but yeah exactly shut your mouth and you can see actually in toto's face that he's frustrated like he's genuinely annoyed yeah. um sorry in christian's face genuinely annoyed by it so then those comments obviously were put to toto to which he replied <laughs> using the best word that i've heard in a long time christian is a bit of a windbag who Ooh. wants to be on camera <laughs> windbag oh, windbag's great and also said with his accent is like he's a windbag like it's just <laughs> it just adds to what was already a great put down uh, yeah, and then there was a follow-up on Sunday night, which didn't, I don't think, has got much um, TV coverage. But Horner having like the final dig, right? Yeah, in his post-race media session, he was um, asked about like Toto and the War of Words. He's like, you know, there's been a lot of chat going on, and then he directly said, "He's never afraid to roast his team so publicly," which I disagree with. That's his prerogative. So, so now he's having to go the way Wolf manages his own team. Um, yeah, I mean, this is proper. This is as beef goes. This is this is this two is... big slabs of steak right now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two bits of prime marbled beef ready to fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, 
It's good. It's tasty. Well, well, Hamilton Hamilton suggested they get in the boxing ring, didn't he? Like on on Saturday, maybe I think it was. Um, and I think something like that would actually. Like, they've always joked about having a race between them because they've kind of the reason they're in racing in the capacity they're in is because they weren't successful racers, right? Which is something they've both talked about before. But seeing them to do like a pre race race would be great. Like because I I feel like one of them would just be like, I'm not letting this guy beat me in any way, shape or form. Um, it would be more carnage than the last 20 laps of Sunday's Grand Prix, I think. They would yeah. be really, really... Uh, like, you're right, they hit each other. The shortest race of all time, at last one corner. One of them, <laughs> yeah. one of them just does the Senna to Prost thing in Suzuka, like, and that's it. <laughs> but who's Senna and who's Prost? Oh, I don't know. I don't think... I don't think we can compare that. That's surely guys, not driving for us. Wise. Yeah, we that's for that's enough. for our that's for our dear listeners to <laughs> to put that together. I think the answer is neither and neither. <laughs> yeah. no, no offense to Christian or Toto. In fact, it might be an yeah. offense to them both. Yes. Well, they'll, no, they'll maybe it. maybe Bruno Senna and Nicholas Prost. Maybe I don't know. Like, would that be a? That might be closer to it. Yeah. No, no, no disrespect to those guys, but they're not there. You know, they're not the originals. Very when, true. There's the train, when... beef train. <laughs> That's Yuki just uh, reminding us <laughs> that uh, he's still around and he's still still kicking it. Uh, I'm glad that Yuki's kept the hype train going. It means that hype train episode that we did a few uh, yeah. months, weeks ago. <laughs> I was worried we were going to have to delete that from the system just to pretend we'd never talked about it. But no, no, I've we, got faith. I've got faith. Yeah, I like the way that we just like go with some big comments and then when it all goes wrong, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of that's kind of how we work normally. We're used to writing things because then we can delete words, but on here we can't do that. But we'll, it means we'll stick with it. Um, now, I did get actually I've, like the weekend was so busy. I don't know how anyone found any time to do anything other than work. But there's a uh, a voice note that got sent to me by a Nate Saunders. Well, just yeah. both. Um, like, I don't know where you found the time to do this, Nate within this, all your work but this you... only took 20 seconds after i'd done the 60 second <laughs> review to, to to be honest i you know i work very hard right <laughs> <laughs> basically I, like... I definitely don't spend half my time making memes or doing voice notes that's not what i do but this was probably nate's best output of what was an epic weekend dear listeners five four three two uh, oh wait uh, a rain delay Ugh. Are you tired of waiting for the first manned mission to Mars? I know I am. That's why I listen to the Pad Hoc, a Formula One podcast that's really out of this world. <laughs> wow. That is, that I mean, is stunning. I saw Mars and I thought it was going to be to do with chocolate. No. no that's no. why I thought I'd play that in after beef, because I thought yeah, it was going to be food but... related. So sorry, everyone, for that random segue but <laughs> no no i mean I, I could have probably explained what it was but i i quite like that it just you you randomly put it in the end of the episode i like that yeah well i wanted to hear what it was you'd sent it and i hadn't listened to it i i saved these things because i think yeah. that it's just the service we're trying to provide to the listeners is that i feel like we're one of them really we're all uber fans and um they're a lot cooler than we are but basically i try and listen to everything cold first time when we're actually recording so yeah no i'm funny I've or not that. Do you mean Uber fans of F1 or you're a fan of Uber, the uh, cab sharing <laughs> service? So I feel like I feel like one of them was a was a, a desperate plea for advertisement. Uh, this whole pod is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody? Please. Please. We welcome so, any advertisers. Any. From anyone. Doesn't have to be Uber. <laughs> Lyft. We'll yeah. take Lyft. Lyft. 
or black any cabs. other ride any, any other cabs. ride share service is uh, is fine by us uh, and Nate will come up with some great jingle for you from the looks of it. Or apparently um, NASA or SpaceX. Like yeah, I was about to say, like if Jeff Bezos is listening to this ahead of his, <laughs> you know, the launch of his thing, hit us up, Jeff. Although you have just criticised the lack of a mission to Mars and you're having a go. So I don't think it's going to go more... down well. That's, That's not how you true. trap people, Nate. That's true. But it was more criticising rain yes. rather than NASA. <laughs> Well, they're not going to sponsor us now either, are they? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the rain. We, we, yeah, the rain. We, we could have had a really good pitch for them. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. We live and learn. Do we, though? No, do we? I don't, I don't think we do, no. I don't think we do. Right then, chaps. Well, on that um, cheery note, as Nate waves goodbye before I've even said goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I Nate knew, wants you to go. I knew that would set you off. That's why I did that. <laughs> Nate's like, get out of here, Barretto. That's, so we have secret signals here, listeners, when we need to sort of wrap things up. Someone wants to say something, they might uh, pull a weird, weird facial expression. Nate's like, I want this recording to end. He <laughs> frantically waves goodbye like he's on a train that is leaving back in the 40s. He's got like handkerchiefs out and everything. Yeah. It's just like tear rolling down his eyes. Just like, see you later, everyone. <laughs> oh, chaps. <laughs> well, I suddenly got emotional. Right. Are you into quarantine now, Barreto? I am. I'm quarantining until Saturday when hopefully I'll get my test and release and be free for a couple of days before the triple header, uh, France, double Austria. Uh, you're coming out, Medis, for those? Yep. I'd be en français. And then the good news is after that triple header, dear listeners, Nate Saunders is hopefully going to be back at a Grand Prix at Silverstone. Absolutely. I mean, let's not, let's not jinx it, but Silverstone. No, Silverstone. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i 99% sure it will happen, but I just don't want to... You know, I don't have to have to let our listeners down when we have to say, like, you know, Nate watched Again. it from, yeah, <laughs> like, like every week. Um, no, but no, yeah, no, I appreciate the uh, appreciate the excitement, lads. With the three of us together in one uh, one paddock, it'll be like 2019 all over again. I cannot wait, chaps. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks to everyone who's listened as well. Always remember to hit the subscribe button, please, and follow us on our social channels. I've been Lawrence Barretto. You can read my stuff on F1.com. You can read Chris's work on Racer.com and Nate's work on ESPN.com. We'll do this again sometime. See you soon. Bye. That is a man who has Instagram lived to over 40,000 people in a pit lane. What a problem. Network.